1: Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We are, uh, what, 12 to 13, 14 hours uh, after the first presidential debate of the 2020 campaign, and it was pretty wild. I don't think there's any other way to put it, and I think it's one of those things that I think people are realizing more how wild it was uh, as time has progressed, because it was real wild, and um, I think it's one of these things where at first, and this is kind of in some ways the point. There's a there's a, a part point about this. I'll get to in a moment. It's sort of the point with how Trump operates. He's not just being um, <clears throat> not just being over the top. He part of his shtick is to be so over the top. That you don't know quite how to react, like that you're kind of knocked back on your heels. Uh, co- uh, not, a, I say, a couple years ago, actually, way back in 2015. So, five years ago, right when Trump was starting out in, in, in the uh, 2016 campaign, Reader emailed me, who's sort of a player in the New York uh, City real estate world, like not one of the moguls, but like a lieutenant of one of the moguls, and was sort of describing, like, what's Trump's. Deal right? How's he operate? What's his What's his shtick? And he described a situation, um, and this was kind of a hypothetical, but I think it was like a melding of of actual real situations. Trump does a deal with another, you know, another uh, real estate mogul, and he doesn't pay. Other real estate mogul waits. Finally, i would know, say, let's grab lunch, and says, "You you haven't paid me. Can we?" Can we settle up? And Trump doesn't say, oh, hey, you know, oversight. I'm a little behind, you know. He goes over the top. I owe you money. You owe me money. I'm going to sue you. And, you know, <laughs> a full nuclear response. And suddenly the guy who's asking for his money is, is apologizing and not knowing quite what to do and these uh these these new york real estate guys these are these are uh uh carnivorous predatory people right but part of trump's thing again is going so over the top that you're not quite sure it's it's beyond your experience so you're not quite sure what to make of it and I think, as I have looked at some of the morning commentary, that's a bit what's happening now. I mean, everybody was sort of shocked in the moment, and it was wild. And, you know, there, there are, in every, uh, you know, political debate, you have a few moments of crosstalk where someone, like, you know, jumps in and kind of interrupts. There, there were, I think, literally, um, I think I counted maybe four four or five times during an hour and a half where Joe Biden was able to talk for longer than like 30 or thirty or 40 seconds at a time. And Trump was yelling and ranting and the conspiracy... I mean, this was Twitter Trump live. And there were a few moments like this during the 2016 debates, more than a few moments. There were some crazy moments. There's that notorious moment where... Trump sort of kind of menaced Clinton, you know, kind of got up behind her, you know, got into her personal space. But this was non-stop. And he spent half the debate arguing with uh, Chris Wallace. And even Chris Wallace had a few times basically say, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, what are you doing? Shut the fuck up. And so I think it's one of these things where there's a bit of Shell shockedness and people kind of this morning, like, man, that was fucked. What was going on there? So, we're going to talk about that, see what we all think. Uh, want to remind you that uh, the Josh Marshall podcast brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee, and they've got this you know special deal now for TPM, uh, for T- TPM readers and Josh Marshall podcast listeners, which is 20% off on any order any amount of orders, your twentieth order, your fifty-fifth order, 50, 54th order.
2: Still remember <laughs> that.
1: Uh until until the election's over. And look, you may Trump may like, you know, try to try to steal the election. You may get some more Grady's discount, right? This may this thing may be going on in January, right? Anyway. Uh the most portion porcel- of the uh, la, la, la. The most important election in our nation's history is right around the corner, and we need to be alert, energized, and fueled to get out the vote. To help keep you caffeinated for the fight of our lifetime, Grady's Cold Brew is offering twenty-five percent off site wide from now until election day. Oh, yeah, election day, I guess kinda Grady's kind of like locked <laughs> it in there. I may, I may, I may have been wrong. All fans of the Josh Marshall podcast. <clears throat> and Grady's Cold Brew are eligible for the deal with no limits. Order now and get Grady's famous New Orleans-style coffee delivered straight to your door or send a batch to your local campaign headquarters. Grady's can be poured hot or cold and is available in regular and decaf. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. David, what do we got?
0: Well, I should say... I. I, the greatest cold brew was great for energy during the debate last night, but not so great for winding down afterwards. So <laughs> proceed with caution if you're going to chug some cold brew late into the night uh, for our listeners. So yeah, I wanted to um, just touch base on the debate again. If, if our listeners didn't catch it, we released a special episode last night immediately after the debate was over. But I thought we could talk a bit more at length, kind of, you know, after sleeping on it a little bit, see what we all thought. So Kate, let me go to you. Any has your opinion changed about the debate at all? Any new revelations after you know a short night of sleep uh, today?
2: <laughs> the brunt of my reaction remains the same, which is that you know Trump looked like an asshole. The only people who are going to like that are his base. I don't really see anyone whose mind needed making up. I don't see last night as being the event to change it. So, you know, to that degree, what we said on the podcast, I think last night remains the same for me. But, you know, the one thing that I feel this morning is a bit disappointed in Biden's performance more than I was last night. And I say this with a grain of salt, which is, I don't know how anyone kind of contends with what Trump was dishing out last night. And I think even a more skilled debater than Biden would have been tripped up by, you know, his refusal to adhere to the rules at all, uh, his constant, you know, interjections of even the little like, wrong, wrong thing while Biden is talking, (laughs) you know. Um, And like I said last night, I liked Biden's um, kind of laughing dismissals when Trump was going off the rails. But to some degree, and I know Biden is not a good debater and that has been rehashed, but there's got to be like a preparation element that just never seems to be there with him. Like, why does he still not have kind of a coherent, quick, punchy answer on Hunter Biden, you know? And I wouldn't even, I don't, I'm not even saying he has to engage with Trump on the conspiracy theorizing, you know, deep weedy Ukraine stuff that you only understand if you live on the swamps of the of the right online. But, you know, even if it's something as simple as, you know, keep my son's name out of your mouth or rebutting with one of the many litigative messes that the Trump children are involved in. You know, I just I think every time he gets a question on that, he seems ill-prepared and by this point I know Trump is hard to deal with and everyone always says like what how do you deal with someone who doesn't follow the rules and I I do think that's true to some degree but also Trump rehashes these same attack lines over and over and over whether or not they're true um, he's a one-trick pony you know you can always pretty much expect what he's gonna say and to some degree I just I wish that Biden kind of had better responses to that. And maybe that's a factor of the fact that they they didn't realize that Trump would run so roughshod ch- over the debate. And I hope that maybe next time, he'll be equipped with just snappy one-liners to kind of blunt the argument and get a word in edgewise, you know.
0: I think everyone really wanted Trump to kind of get his comeuppance last night, right? And mm-hmm. for Biden to totally dominate and just put Trump in his place. I think Uh, you know, that would have been satisfying for for lots of people. But I think you're right, Kate. It's not Trump didn't really allow that opportunity. But I did think that Trump, just by constantly interrupting, constantly interjecting, just kind of throwing a fit on stage Mm -hmm. all night, looked weak by comparison, right? If you're in a winning position, if he were up in the polls, if he were feeling confident, you don't need to just kind of throw a fit Mm -hmm. for 90 minutes straight, right? And it just felt kind of desperate, kind of just, you know, lashing out at anything that could stick, throwing things against the wall, just kind of like he does every day in his presidency. But I'm curious on on the other side with Biden's performance, you know, Trump obviously had a bunch of just rude and crazy comments, but did you think, what did you think of Biden saying, you know, will you shut up, man, or kind of all, you know, some of his retorts, were those effective? Was that sinking to Trump's level in any way? What did you make of that?
2: I mean, I, I also I do want to caveat everything I just said. I agree with you, David. And I think that, honestly, what Biden did doesn't really matter because Trump's behavior is so the headline from this. And that, you know, that's good for a front runner. You want it to be a referendum on Trump. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the retorts were fine. I thought I liked Biden the best, honestly, when he. Was it being, was laughing and was kind of acting like, God, can you believe this guy? That is relatable to me. But even when he got frustrated, I was like, so would anyone, you know? So, so was everyone who was watching. <laughs> so, you know.
1: I, I thought those, it's, it's funny. I thought a couple of things. I thought those moments where he said, just will you shut up? I think like there were a couple like shut up type Mm-hmm. moments where he said said those words, which, again, in any other context would be a huge breach. I was, what I was struck by is they seemed pretty genuine and extemporaneous. Like, it didn't seem like, you know, he was kind of prepped to say, there's going to be a moment where you say, shut up, Donald Trump. We have all had enough of your <laughs> shenanigans or something like that. It was these moments where he just would not stop talking. He's like, dude, shut up. You know, he's Joe Biden, so he's not going to say, dude, but that was his version of just, dude, shut up. Um, and I, you know, it's funny, there were um, they're kind of escaping me at the moment. But there were a number of times in the debate where it seemed clear that Trump had led out there with a glass jaw on something. And there was a zinger line just waiting there. And Biden saw it. It's not just like, oh, you should have said that. Like, it was kind of clear Biden saw it. One of those, I think, was when they were talking about, you know, the in-person rallies. And Trump said, hey, there's been no problems. I think it was way – it was – you could kind of tell the Herman Cain thing was like, you know, kind of – and he didn't go there. And I th- I think that was smart. I just – it it's not – it's – It's too much, Uh, as much as, you know, Trump may deserve it, but that doesn't mean you should do it. Um, And there was another moment when Trump was saying, all the governors, they're saying I did great. They're all saying I did. And it was that line kind of like you, you just you would look at the audience and you say, look at this. He really thinks he's done great with COVID. You know, what the fuck? And Biden didn't go there. And there was that one moment when he was talking about Hunter Biden where he said, like, you really want to talk about your family? Your kids here? Really? You want to talk about profiting? And he basically said, I'm not going to. And uh, I think that's kind of, that's just Biden. You know, I there was, it's one, one thing I remember back in, in, in 2008 when he was still running, you know, in, in when he was still a presidential candidate in 2008. And he had that, you know, uh, noun and a verb at 9-11, you know, kind of a, you're prepped, you know, when Rudy was still the front runner on the Republican side. So it's not that he's, uh, or maybe a younger version of him is, is above being kind of, you know, uh, locked and loaded with a, with a, you know, attack line but i think at some level it's just it's just kind of not him um and i when when um last night i was thinking you know b performance no screw ups um definitely had some good moments but just fine you know not great but not bad just fine uh but having slept on it i think it was a little better than that Um, someone pointed out to me that the Proud Boys thing, which is kind of sort of evolving into the big takeaway, he was just like, oh, I denounce who messes. And, and, and I think it was by said Proud Boys.
2: Yep. it was. you
1: denounce Proud Boys? What about them? And that he, so, you know, he led Trump into that, um, which obviously made it much more concrete. And, um, there was in this piece. I've only kind of seen the headline, so I, I, I have not read the whole piece. But one of our colleagues uh, posted this morning that every time Trump, uh, every time Biden started going on COVID, Trump lost it. So I think I think Biden's performance may be a bit better than I thought. A little, you know, in 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 kind of subtle ways, kind of. Um, Leading Trump into some of these self-immolations. So anyway, that's my take. But to but to Kate's point, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All Biden really needed to do is not, you know, have a moment where he's like, "Mother," you know, <laughs> some <laughs> right. some you know bizarre, you know bizarre. Not and not that I think that is possible. I don't think this is a thing with Trump, but that, you know, uh, with, 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 with Biden, but as long as he didn't have some kind of game changing, weird moment, that's kind of all he needed.
2: Yeah. I mean, right. You
1: had like, sorry, go ahead. Oh,
2: okay. I was just gonna say, you know, I feel like maybe to some degree I'm coming from an unfair place, which is that God, for once you just want to see Trump stop getting away with it, you know, stop getting away with just like everything he says is a lie or doesn't make any sense. And like, it would just be nice, you know, for once to see someone, you know, and maybe that was Chris Wallace's job, but to see someone be like, "What are you talking about? That's not, you know, that's not real. That's not true," you know? And to be to be fair, I think in some in some turns Biden did that to the best of his ability, and I think he did it well when Trump was asking him why he hadn't rolled back the tax break that the Trump administration <laughs> had granted. And Biden was like, that was yours. <laughs> you know, I mean, in fact, Trump and fact checking Trump is, I mean, it's impossible because half of what he says is a lie. Half of it is like some weird, you know, you need a decoder ring to figure out what conspiracy theory he's even alluding to. But and so, I don't know, maybe my frustration is honestly more with these debates in general, which is, why are we giving Trump another platform to lie, a platform that no one can realistically hem him in, fact check him, add any context, you know, just another I, I stage do, for him to perform. I do th- Kate,
1: I, I do think you're right. And I think that is a, that is a, not just widely held among the people who don't like Trump, it's almost universally held, kind of like someone not not someone shut him up but someone finally just say dude you are like a degenerate liar everything you're saying is false i'm gonna list off a b and c and just go away and and you know some kind of definitive kind of thing um it is i you know look (laughs) as a parent of two two uh kind of tween boys when someone's having a tantrum, it's a little hard to really <laughs> yeah. shut them up, right? Um, and uh, uh, and and that is not going to be Joe Biden, right? He did he did have again telling the president of the United States to shut up or calling him a clown. These are things that, in the normal course of things, are are totally outside anything acceptable or anything that uh, is, is appropriate or okay in our, you know, kind of uh, political engagement. And again, that was the thing that really kind of struck me is those moments, those shut up moments, they didn't seem canned, it didn't seem like, uh, kind of like, you know, you're no Jack Kennedy, kind of like a, a well, a well crafted and well executed, you know, kind of jab line it seemed without without trump getting under biden's skin right without frustration in in the sense that would is that you don't want to be fr- you know publicly frustrated it was him just just kind of like dude enough enough and i do think in those moments and you've even seen how people have picked it up as memes it's kind of speaking for everybody right shut up stop talking um. so yeah
0: what did you what did you make of Chris Wallace as the moderator before the debate he had said he was hoping to be invisible on stage right and that
1: if you hard. were <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: if you were watching the debate he was saying oh he wanted people to respond oh what a great debate I I wonder who the moderator was so obviously yeah that didn't work out for him but was there anything else he could do? I mean, it seems like we're talking about you can't really control Trump in these moments. Was there anything he could have done differently to rein, rein it in? People are talking now about like cutting the mics when it's not the other, you know, when it's the other person's time to talk. But what did you just make of his his moderation in general?
2: Honestly, my bigger complaint, because I I think reigning in Trump was well nigh impossible. I'm, I'm just not sure how you do that. But he had a lot of questions that had some very Fox newsy framing, in my opinion, like, there was the one line of questioning where he kept asking Biden if he had called on mayors or governors, uh, you know, to call in the National Guard. And I was like, Why are you adopting the Trump campaign's framing that Biden is actually the president right now? You know, that question makes no sense unless you're coming from that angle. And yet another. It's it's also
1: just inappropriate. It's not just that it's not it's not Biden's, you know, thing to deal with. I mean, it's like it's not appropriate for a civilian out of office. Right especially a current presidential candidate to call up the governor's like, Hey, I need you to get in there with the national guard and really clean this shit up. I mean, that's like, that would legitimately be like kind of scandalous.
2: Yeah. And that, so that framing was bizarre. He had another line of questioning where he kind of, um, detailed some of Biden's climate plans and ended the, ended that list by saying, you know, wow, that sounds really expensive, you know, and just this kind of stuff that, you know, I understand that this debate was always going to be hard for whoever moderated it, because if you're going to attempt any kind of both sides stuff, it's going to be you've got someone who let 200,000 people die on the one hand and then someone who maybe is a little squishy on his healthcare policy on the other. But that frustrated me more. Um, He had that one segue where he was like, oh, Mr. President, you're going to like this next question. That's not your job. That's not... You know, I, I, if you want to be invisible, you don't do that kind of stuff, you know? So that honestly frustrated me more than his inability to rein in Trump. Because on that front, I don't know, he kind of tried. He didn't fact check at all, but I mean, that's kind of the norm in the reign of Trump.
1: I, I, was, I was a little more positive on, on Wallace. I thought. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought he. I mean, I didn't think it went great but you know given what he had to deal with i thought um i mean you could not watch that debate and not have heard wallace repeatedly saying you're not following the rules That's you need true. to you need to be quiet you need to stop interrupting your campaign agreed to these rules you're not i mean that was like constant and there was even one point i think you know these little the, these little kind of jabs where at one point trump said you know in in at the end of one of these tirades trump said something like you know i'll be honest with you and 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 walls was like yeah can you be honest you know <laughs> uh and and it's funny i he certainly wasn't invisible i mean he was you know he was incredibly visible but i would say in general he He was not visible as a, to me at least, as an opinion voice. Like sometimes moderators come in and you say, wow, you know, the moderator was really kind of wanted to talk about this or talk about that and had this kind of his own opinion, right? And that kind of shaped it. I didn't really get that. I mean, before, Kate, before you you kind of, you know, reminded me of these things. And and, and, and the thing about, you know, why didn't you call the governors or, 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 or the mayor is the best example of that. And that did jump out to me. But beside that, I had a hard time even remembering kind of what the questions were. Because they seemed... So in that sense, he did seem not terribly visible to me. Like, as a voice, it was just the 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 big thing i remember as his role is basically him saying mr president stop interrupting you need to stop talking and and that we can say trump gets away with things and this that and the other that's not good as a candidate that looks bad that looks really bad especially when let's be honest it's the top guy at fox news Right. This isn't like you got like Rachel Maddow is like, you know, busting his chops. Right. So um and, and I guess partly what I was reacting to, maybe this is less so now, watching the sort of the hive mind on Twitter as it was happening in the first half hour was like, Wallace, failure has destroyed the American experiment, fire him cut his head off this is so bad he's blah 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 and you know again it, you know i saw someone said what well, he should have said all right i'm canceling the debate you will not follow the rules and like you know kind of to kate's point we'd all kind of like to see that moment but that's not his call it's not up to him to cancel the debate that's just not i mean not only is that not going to happen it shouldn't happen This this is this is the debate. It's going to happen if Trump wants to make a fool out of himself. That's you know, he's going to he's going to do that. But again, with what he had to deal with, I thought he did a decent job.
2: I mean, credit where credit's due. I think his strongest moment was when Trump in a completely toddler turn kept trying to insist that Wallace agree that Biden was interrupting, too. You know, and he couldn't let it go in typical Trump fashion. He was like, but so was he just as much, just interrupting just as much. Like there was a 30 second diversion about that where Wallace kind of refused to to agree to that. And you know, and not he say much something that,
1: like, no, it's mainly you. Didn't, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Not as
2: much as you, Mr. President, or something like that. Um, and I was like, you know what? Kudos. Because... You, whatever you think of Trump, you know, he's the president. And I think it's hard when the president is boring down on you saying, don't you agree with me on this stupid, inconsequential point to be like, no, <laughs> you're, you know, yeah. you're full of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And, and, and it's, you know, for those who haven't kind of seen the, the morning, uh, you know, rapid response stuff, the, the Trump campaign is out now at this thing, Chris Wallace in, or, you know, interrupted donald trump 70 you know they have the exact number 70 something times and only 15 times with joe biden bias and like like dude like you know come on anybody who watched that thing you know if you won't shut the fuck up yeah they're gonna they're gonna interrupt you a lot (laughs) like that's like physics right it's like (laughs) rhetorical physics so let's look ahead a little bit uh,
0: with the last uh, part of the show that we have left. And speaking of canceling the debates, there are you know, a number of prominent political commentators saying, we've seen enough. It's not worth having more of these debates. Uh, we should just cancel the rest. Next week, we have the vice presidential debate. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on what, what we can expect there. But for the, the following two weeks, do you expect these debates to, to go forward? Do you think there's any chance that... Trump or Biden pulls out or the commission is just like, you know what, it's not worth it. I mean, what's your sense?
2: I don't think there's any way they'll pull out because that just, I think they're going to be too wary about the attacks that would bring from the other side of, you know, he's scared. He's, you know, on the Biden side, either he got trampled the first time, afraid to see it happen again on the Trump side. He's clearly unstable. They don't want to give him another platform. I see no way that the debates don't go ahead.
1: I think that's exactly right. For 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 inertia to be arrested in a case like that, you need someone with a strong interest in arresting it. The Biden camp, I mean, Biden campaign was out within minutes of the thing saying well, we are going to be there. There is absolutely no way that we're not going to be there for that debate. Um, Trump, it would almost be like surrendering the election to. to to do that clearly the debate commission isn't going to do it because this is what they are it's literally what they are <laughs> they're not going to cancel themselves so uh, it just seems it seems totally impossible um, yeah yeah it's just not going to happen and 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 it shouldn't happen why should it happen right I mean it's sort of like we've seen enough like yeah we've seen enough we'd seen enough two years ago
0: <laughs> I mean
1: you know kind of like uh, what do you mean we've seen enough this is you got to you got to play out the plot to the end.
0: And obviously the next the next presidential debate is the town hall format where voters will be asking questions of the candidates. And I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do that in the COVID era. I guess just keep everyone far apart, sort of like they did with the limited crowds last night. And we talked before about how, you know, that format might actually suit Biden better. But do you think, I mean, it also seems like Trump won't have as much of an opportunity to just interrupt and make a fool of himself right because if he's speaking to voters i don't know does that change the dynamic in your minds at all
2: that's an interesting point i think it could but i mean we've seen before trump doesn't he is not really able to connect the fact that voters are a much more empathetic questioner than a journalist um you know, we saw that one case where the woman was, um, you know, grieving over her mother and asked and asked him a question. And he, you know, moved on to some conspiracy theory like he, he doesn't. Yeah, even it was have like it. Russia,
1: Russia, Russia, yeah. the fake the hoax and all
2: because <laughs> he doesn't even have it in his recesses to even be like, oh, my condolences. I mean, we that was one of the most pointed moments last night to me when. Biden was talking about his pride in his dead son and Trump's instinct is, Hey, let's talk about the other son's drug problem. Like he he was like, Oh, I I don't know, Bo. I do know Hunter. And you're like, (laughs) Jesus Christ, that's his dead child. You know?
1: Yeah. That was, that was just one of the lowest. I mean, this this is the thing about Trump. It's far from the worst thing about him just because he's, he's done so many terrible things, but he's just gross and 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 just a bad person. I mean, uh, clearly clearly, the loss of his son is a is a kind of gaping emotional wound for Biden., uh, you never like to emphasize these things, but Bo Biden was clearly like you know, kind of his number one son, the one who followed him in politics success after success and, and to be felled like that as a young, just terrible, right? And, 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 and uh, any, any remotely wise, humane person seeing a father talk like that is going to have a moment of saying, I'm really sorry for your loss, but, and not be like, I don't know Bo, but I know the druggie. <laughs> right. Which
2: to give Biden credit, I thought that was one of his best moments when he took I that agree. that Hunter attack totally agree, and said yeah. he had a drug problem. He's overcome it. I'm so proud of him. Because I mean,
0: just like many millions many of Americans, America right? Have drug yeah. problems, yeah.
2: Yeah. right? Yeah. Have them or have loved ones with drug problems. I mean, Trump, you know, going for the lowest of the low. It's like there are so many families out there who are hurting because of addiction, and yeah. Biden I mean, spoke much more eloquently to them in that moment.
1: And and and, and you know that that has. You know, always been the case, but the country is still in the midst of a, a an a, an opioid epidemic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this is it, it's it's this it it the real Trump comes through in these cases where his whole political shtick is not the elites, the average people, the people who work hard, but in those moments, it's like ah, you went to a state school. Mm-hmm. You know, state school. We never bottom heard of, your of. Class. bottom of your class. You know, and kind of like, oh yeah, the losers who go to state schools. And like, dude, what? Or this thing, kind of like, you know, we're. It's sort of supposed to be universal in politics. Everybody's like, you know, we need to c- confront the opioid epidemic and help the sufferers. But the real Trump is like, yeah, your son, the druggie. What a loser! You know, just.
0: Or even like before the debate started, Biden had that kind of joking tweet with the his earpiece, right? And the performance enhancers, which was a pint of Jenny's ice cream, which is kind of an artisanal brand that is expensive, right? I mean, it's expensive, fancy ice cream. And some people on the right, some of the Trump, Trump world figures were like, wow, $12 ice cream, real salted the earth blue collar guy. But it's like, your guy is the one with the gold toilet, right? The one who lives in a palatial Fifth Avenue apartment. So it's just everything is upside down. It's sorta of hard to make sense of it but right. That's just
2: that's I wrote about this last night in my standalone, but that's just something that I have never understood about, you know, the Trump appeal to the kind of, you know, non degreed working man. Just because that has never been Trump's experience, you know? And I just I don't know how you can kinda of hear him. Hillary, the elite, strain the swamp. You've been an elite your whole life. You know, he was born with a silver spoon kind of thing. Um, and I think when uh, Biden did get a chance to attack last night, he did hammer home that kind of thing is Trump looks down on X, Y, Z. I am a- you know, working class Grant and guy, I'm the kind of guy he looks down on. And then Trump really just gift wrap that for him with the the sneering school comment. And, um, you know, you're I, not I, smart.
1: I, I was really struck by that moment, because when Biden was saying that, it shows the power of, of the endless Trump messaging that I was sort of like, wow, that's really kind of turning everything on its head.
2: Mm, me too. Trump
1: looks down on the common folks. But like, it's so like, of course, Mm-hmm. Of course. And uh, no, there there was, I mentioned this last night that, as I said, there there were four or five times when Biden got 30 seconds or a minute pretty much uninterrupted. And, you know, kind of looked at the camera and said, you know, X, Y, and Z, this, that, and the other. And those moments were quite devastating. They were, you know and and sometimes they were some you know pretty basic rhetorical moves kind of like look it's not about him or me it's about you it's about their people dying you know and i what what struck me in those moments was like i get why trump is interrupting him cuz when he when he lets biden talk it's really bad it's really bad it really it it is it is you know it, it, it's like knockout punches um and i think for all the yelling and interruptions i think those moments were actually pretty strong and 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 memorable
2: and that may be a way kind of to go back to dt's question and point that the town hall format hamstrings trump a little bit because it will be harder for him to interrupt a conversation between Biden and a voter, you know that's I'm not sure how you do that without also attacking the questioner
1: I, I think it's more than a little I think it'll I think it'll hamstring him a lot yeah or if it doesn't, it will make him even more self damaging mm-hmm. um, it's sort of I mean and the other side of that is that it is the best format for Biden right because you know at a certain level a candidate's ability to look a voter in the eye and say, I've also suffered losses. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Is that really have a big effect on, you know, economic policy, making good foreign policy decisions? Maybe not, but that's the the format where that really shines. So it's a really good format for Biden. It's a bad one for Trump just because... He's a sociopath, and so he has no empathy, and that's an empathy, uh, you know, that's an empathy genre. It's an empathy venue, uh, and and the but even more broadly, and this is a, this has been a this has been a truism of politics since that format was introduced. I'm pretty sure the first time was in 1992 with uh, Perot, Bush, and 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 Clinton, Clinton's first election. That is always a bad format for the person behind. Because it if you're behind, you need to go in the attack and draw some blood. And it's almost like a cliche. You do that in a town hall and you get like voter like, Don't make it about you, make it about us, the voters, and you know it's just you just it's it's a really you get nasty, you go on the attack, even in a way that a normal politician will need to do to, you know, to draw some contrasts. It's just a bad format because it makes it, it makes people uncomfortable. Um, your partisans may like it, but that's the whole point that they don't, they don't fill those things with partisans. They fill them with people who at least have some, you know, kind of open mindedness, even if there's, you know, kind of somewhat in one camp or the other. So it, it's, it's, it's not a great format for him and and even beyond that and this is kind of what i'm curious about now is i really think a lot of the next 2 weeks you know until we find out that that trump is trying to buy kosovo and trade it for <laughs> puerto rico or some other some other bizarre shit is just going to be his kind of craziness and and yelling and 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 wildness and so he he's gonna be kind of in a box right he can't come back and be totally over the top again i mean maybe he can um but that's not going to be good and if he if he tried to pivot in the opposite direction that's almost like you know, giving up who he is. So he's kind of, he's in a bit of a jam and and that jam is accentuated by a format that is not good for him and is good for Biden.
2: Well, and I think every time, you know, we've talked on this podcast about how things would be better for Trump if he could temper himself, you know, or if he could like deliver kind of one more sedate speech than he usually does. He's just shown over and over he can't, he just can't do it. You know, he is who he is. He's been given ample opportunities to at least feign empathy, and he just can't do it. You know, he. This is the person that he is. You know, and I just you can already foresee. You know, someone at this town hall saying, you know, I lost X Y Z to COVID. Why didn't your administration do X Y Z? And he's like, Well, if he was in charge, it would have been two million. So you're <laughs> welcome. I mean, God, it's just like. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's not going to be. You would be a have lost wreck.
1: nine other relatives. So. I saved nine <laughs> best of your relatives. Thank ever. you. Boom. Appreciate the congrats. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, let's look,
0: let's look towards the vice presidential debate. That's the next one coming up on Wednesday of next week. Um, you know, m- much younger candidates, <laughs> right? Mm. And. um it doesn't, doesn't what take do you, much. What do we ex- <laughs> Exactly. It doesn't take much. I, Chris Wallace was the youngest man on stage, right? he's 72. Um, Spry. <laughs> last night. So, yeah. What are we, what are we expecting then? Um, you know, Kamala Harris is on the Senate Judiciary Committee, which will be taking up the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett for Supreme Court. So, you know, it seems likely that will be, you know, a decent focus of it since she will actually be involved in that Mm -hmm. process. But what are you, what are you looking for next week?
2: I'm honestly kind of interested in the vice presidential debate in a way that I'm not for the presidential one, because I mean, I barely remember Pence debating Tim Kaine last time. Kind of all I remember is everyone making fun of how it was like the stepdad's debate, basically, or, you know, the two like whitest men in America debating. But I mean, Kamala Harris is a better debater than Biden, um, and she's proven that she can be very effective when not flustered. Uh, You know, she came out of the gate really strong in those Democratic primaries and then really only lost her footing when after she did so well, there was kind of a target on her back and she became the subject of attacks the next time and she didn't hold up so well under that. But um, no, I think she's I think she's capable. And the other side of it is that Pence has flown under the radar for basically this whole administration. Like he does stuff that Trump needs him to do, but otherwise he, you know, we even went through that period where he was like conveniently elsewhere whenever Trump was doing something, you know, weird or questionable. Pence was traveling, so he wasn't part of it or, you know, and then they kind of have him there to be this source of comfort for donors and lawmakers and, you know, people who Trump can't reach. But, You know, it's kind of the first time we're going to see Pence held to some account for what his administration has done, you know, and he'll have to answer for Trump in a way that he has really avoided doing for the past four years. So, you know, I think I think it's on spec better for Harris. So, you know, we'll see how it goes.
1: It's a funny thing. A little hard for me to know what to expect, because from the from the Biden campaign's perspective, from Harris's perspective, you got to think they're thinking like, we like where we are, <laughs> right? Like, we're feeling good about this. No reason to kind of do anything crazy, kind of, you know, kind of go through the paces, you know, move forward. You know, every every day there's not a... Every day Trump doesn't draw blood's a good day for us because we're where we want to be. Um, I suspect... That in some ways, as he has through his presidency, this will be, and I think this will really dominate the debate, is Pence being the, uh, you know, they had that thing, Obama's anger translator, that whole kind of the, whatever that was, it will be like, well, he meant that the Proud Boys need to stand down and stand by until we... Uh, pass a law to end white supremacy. You know, he, he, he's going to he's going to need to kind of clean up and explain all these ways that what Trump was saying uh, made sense and to kind of try to, you know, normalize it and channel it into some sort of, uh, you know, conventional political something. Uh, and, it, you know, that's kind of what he's done the whole time. And if, if you remember in that... Um, in the olden days when he ran that COVID task force thing, you had this pattern where Trump would, would, you know, say something about, oh, we're going to be filling the pews on Easter. You know, we're going to be like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, smoking rock bleach and mainlining it, you know, saying these totally crazy stuff. And then Trump come, uh, the Pence come in the next day and say, we want to have those pews filled just as soon as we can. And we're listening to the science, you know, to kind of, to try to, uh, you know, uh, massage it into something normal. Um, and uh, I guess maybe Harris's thing will be to, you know, just kind of like, nope, you know, like, no, that's not what happened. Uh, but it's funny because the, 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 what each side has to accomplish is a little weird. Again, th- no one wants to sit on their laurels, but I think the Biden campaign has to be feeling like, look, this was kind of in some ways the biggest danger of the whole election, that that Trump would kind of get Biden unsteady and he would just not come off well. You don't have to think Biden is, is you know— uh, has some sort of kind of cognitive deficits to think that, look, if I were up there with Trump, him yelling at me, I might get flustered or something something like that. So that was kind of like the big danger they faced almost the whole election season in some ways. And Biden came out fine. He may not have been great, but he's fine. You know, no problems. So they're really, I'm. I have to imagine, they're thinking like, we're liking where we are. And so... I could see Harris being pretty conservative, you know. Why, you know, you're 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 up a couple touchdowns, ninety seconds left, fourth quarter, just you know, really conservative running game. Don't why make you know, don't leave anything to chance.
2: It's interesting because I I don't know I can see it going either way because I think that's a super valid argument, and then the other side of the coin is you know, why was Harris picked? What does she add to the ticket? And in some ways that's her youth, you know, which goes hand in hand with her energy. Um, The fact that people think she's smart and sharp and articulate in a way that Biden is folksy and gaffy and, you know, uh, has that kind of authentic verbal missteps all the time. So in that way that she balances them out, you can see them wanting to, showcase that to show like look she is like really quick on her feet ran circles around Mike Pence you know she's uber competent xyz um would I that just makes that would make for an interesting matchup if she's doing what she brings to the ticket which is kind of energy and verbal skill and then Pence brings what he brings to the ticket which is some sense of normalcy and translating Trump's you know, batshitness into something digestible. Um, that would just—that's an interesting matchup. You know,
1: well, it's also you know to your point. It's and and sort of against my point. It is all it is always true or usually true. Vice presidential candidates got their own. You know, th- their own interests, their own their own ambitions, their own future. Uh, so and and you know, a good vice presidential candidate's going to kind of operate in a, in a team context. But she's no shrinking violet, and she shouldn't be. Um, and she has to think that win or lose, that uh, certainly if Biden were to lose, she's in certainly not a shoe in but has kind of the inside track uh, in 2024. And it's not inconceivable that Biden wouldn't run for a second term. I think he's hinted that that's a possibility. I guess he would be what, 82, maybe 81. Um, so she's got a, you know, she definitely this will be her highest profile appearance in her life. Um, so she's going to show her stuff and she should. Um, so yeah, that that's, you know, probably, probably going to be part of it, too.
0: Yeah. Well, that seems like a good place to leave it for this week.
1: Yeah. Well, remember that uh Josh Marshall podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. We've they've got that uh, 25% off uh, as many orders as you can uh, jam in before election day. Uh, go to Grady's gradyscoldbrew.com and use the promo code TPM.
0: All right. We'll see you next week. Right. Later Thanks, folks. Guys. Bye.